It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 312 for September 30th, 2012. Adobe adds more high-end features to its Elements packages. It's possible to learn just about anything online and sometimes for free. In short circuits, iGoogle is going away, but I think I found a good replacement. California becomes the third state to approve driverless cars with conditions. And Windows 8 will be out in less than a month. Manufacturers are beginning to show their wares. Adobe released version 11 of Photoshop Elements and Premiere Elements on Tuesday, September 25th. I've been working with them for a few weeks now. A decade ago, the Elements applications were elementary in scope. But over the years, they've become more and more powerful. Not so powerful that they will steal market share from Photoshop or Premiere, but still packed with features that will appeal to photo and video enthusiasts. With each new version of Elements, Adobe adds features that were once limited to the professional product line, as the professional products continue to push forward into other new areas. Product manager Bob Gager describes the rationale behind this continued push of new features. Uh, Where the Elements products, uh, both Premier Elements and Photoshop Elements, are targeted towards uh, what we call the photo and video enthusiast. Uh, Folks that are uh, doing this more as a hobby uh, as opposed to something um, that they do day to day in, in their job. Adobe offers what one might consider to be a dizzying array of products. The Elements line is the most basic, of course, but it still includes some powerful features. On the photography side, there's Lightroom to address the semi-pro and pro market, along with Photoshop for those who need all the possible options. On the video side, there's no middle ground product. It's either Premiere Elements for the enthusiast or Premiere and all the ancillary products for the pro. Or maybe there is a middle ground product because Photoshop CS6 now offers some powerful video editing options. Gager says that Adobe considers the Elements user to be the family picture keeper. The the, the kind of person who likes to capture lots of uh, photos and videos um, about their personal lives, uh, do interesting things with them, either just make their photos look really great, uh, get creative with them, uh, or pull them together and turn them into creations, you know, such as books, cards, calendars, DVDs, all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, sharing out with friends and family. Our customers really value ease of use, uh, but they also don't like to hit the wall too quickly, right? They don't want a real simple program that does just a few things. Uh, They want to have a program that they learn and invest in and and really have that extra power when they need it. Uh, to get uh, really creative with their media. The challenge, clearly, is to be able to produce applications that are both easy to use and powerful. Smartphone users value ease of use, but when they're at home, working on their more capable computers, they want functionality. Easy to use continues to be a really important thing that's going on in the world. This has driven a lot in our observation from the app phenomena that's going on with phones and tablets, very focused Uh, single-purpose type of solutions that are really easy to use, no manual required, that kind of stuff. Ease of use has always been a really strong tenet of what we've been achieving. Taking the power of Photoshop, taking the power of Premiere Pro, 
bringing it to life in a much easier way for a consumer audience. Uh, well, this year we actually doubled down on that concept. Uh, we went back and did a complete overhaul of the user interface uh, with the uh, mantra of brighter, easier, friendlier uh, as the driving force around all of that. Who would have thought a decade ago that people would be editing video at home? Film editing was possible, but few people wanted to do it because it was difficult, particularly with 8mm and Super 8mm film, and there was no undo. Digital video makes possible the things that many of us wanted to do back then. And now we have the ability to create digital video. What we're finding is that a lot of our uh, photo customers, so folks who are using uh, Photoshop elements, are really starting to become interested in editing video because the camera that they've recently purchased uh, or the smartphone that they have in their pocket or purse uh, capturing video is just a flip of a switch away. It's just as easy as capturing great photos. And so now that video is starting to become more of their media catalog, uh, they're looking for easy ways to edit that video and do interesting things with it. Uh, editing video is hard. It takes more time. It's more complex. Adobe product manager Bob Gager described one of the cooler new features that's called people recognition. Show Photoshop elements a person's face and the program will sort through all of your existing photos to identify images that that person is in. These images are then organized into a virtual collection. What we're doing is taking the people recognition uh, capabilities that we added back in Elements 8, where you can identify a person uh, in a photo, and then uh, the people recognition feature will go back through your entire photo catalog and find uh, other shots where that person exists. Um, previously, we just created a keyword tag and then you had to go filter on the keyword tag. What we wanted to do is create this new, uh, much more interesting way of presenting the results of, of that uh, people recognition feature, and that's the new people view. Gager says there's also a places view that uses geolocation data from photos if your camera has that capability, or you can add the information on individual images later. Gager shows how a single indicator on a map of California expands into several indicators as he zooms in. And finally, we're looking at San Francisco. As I uh, zoom into any specific location, maybe let's just go into, uh, I'll say, the San Francisco Zoo. And I just keep clicking my map to zoom it in. And as I get closer and closer into the zoo, you can see now I've just got these two photos of these uh, gorillas that were taken in the San Francisco Zoo, uh, and I'm filtered automatically down to those just by zooming into the map. As I drag my map around, you can see uh, you know, it's added one more shot up here of Alyssa taken along the coast near San Francisco. As I zoom in even more and move my map to something like the Golden Gate Bridge, you can see that grid on the left is showing just the photos uh, that I took at the Golden Gate Bridge. It's also possible to organize your photos and videos by event. Adobe product manager Bob Gager explained how you can specify them on your own or allow an organizer function to suggest events based on clusters of photos and videos. Photoshop Elements still has simple edits and guided edits. There's also an expert mode that opens up advanced features and shows the layers used to create the various effects. This not only allows users to modify the effect, but it can serve as an educational tool that shows how the program achieved a particular effect. For a wow feature, Photoshop Elements now includes a refine edge function. This makes it possible to copy a person from one image and insert the person into another. 
This has been particularly problematic, says Gager, when the person has hair. All right, this wouldn't be a problem for photos with me. Uh, one of the very popular things that folks like to do with Photoshop Elements is cut something out of one photo and paste it into another photo. An example of that is if I took a picture of my family. Um, of course, I'm not in the picture because I'm behind the camera. I could cut myself out of a different photo, paste myself into that shot, and then I've got a shot of the whole family, uh, me included, even though I was the one who took the picture. Cutting and pasting isn't hard. right? That's pretty easy. Uh, the hard part of that is actually doing the selection of what you want to cut out of one photo. And that becomes particularly hard when you've got a photo like this where there's some um, you know, fuzzy edges, whether it be fuzz of a sweater or somebody's hair or leaves of a tree or you know, fur on a dog. All that kind of stuff is really hard to make a precise selection. So Photoshop Elements has the Refine Edges feature that was introduced in Photoshop CS5. This is a good example of how Adobe continues to push professional features down into its consumer products. Premiere Elements takes the same tack by providing ease and power in a single package. So again, uh, just like in Photoshop Elements, in Premiere Elements we have added a new quick uh, editing mode. Uh, quick editing mode, just like in Photoshop Elements, in Premiere Elements it's designed uh, to meet the needs of a more novice user, someone who um, you know, doesn't yet have any experience in editing video. Uh, they may have some familiarity with photo editing, but maybe not. Um, but all they really want to do is pull their clips in, arrange them, add a transition, uh, maybe do some quick adjustments and share them out with friends and family. It's not about you know multiple tracks of video and audio overlay and picture in picture and swirling text. You know all that stuff, of course, is still here. Uh, it's one click away in expert mode. Um, and we've got all that. Uh, but in quick mode, um, I'm not sort of overwhelmed by those more advanced uh, things that I can do in the product. One of the new features in version 11 of Premiere Elements is called Film Looks. And the whole idea behind Film Looks is pull together a bunch of adjustments and filters and techniques uh, all together in a, in a simple drag and drop uh, type of way to achieve interesting end results uh, for, your for your video clips uh, without really having to know how to do it. And then there's time remapping. This is the wow feature for Premiere Elements. And Gager explained how it's possible to set an in point and an out point, then modify all the video that occurs between them. Make it faster or make it slower. And Photoshop Elements will render the video for you. Consider a couple and a child walking on a beach. The couple swings the child into the air. With time remapping, you can keep the walking scene in normal time, but show that swing in slow motion. Yeah, that's a wow. Time remapping is a feature that lets our users play around with fast and slow motion. So I can just select a clip, go to Tools, uh, scroll down to Time Remapping, and uh, here we go. I'm in the Time Remapping interface, and then set speed. I can either go fast, extremely fast, slow, very slow, extremely slow, or anywhere in between. And you can see it'll play normal speed when it hits the time zone. It'll switch to slow motion or fast motion, whatever I had picked. And uh, I've got that effect in my video clip as well. And perhaps another wow feature is the pricing. Pricing remains the same, $99 for either Photoshop Elements 11 or Premiere Elements 11. Uh, if you want to do both photo and video editing, that will give you a discount for purchasing the bundle. Uh, so the bundle of both products is $149. Uh, and then, of course, there is uh, upgrade pricing. If you're a previous user, we want to give you a deal.
so if you're an owner of either Elements products all the way back to version 1 from 11 years ago, uh, you can get the individual products for 79 or the bundle for 119 That's Adobe Elements Product Manager Bob Cager. Let's take a look at Photoshop Elements 11. When you open Photoshop Elements or Premiere Elements, you'll be offered a choice of going directly to the editor or starting with the organizer. My recommendation generally is to start with the organizer. As an aside, take a look at the image on the TechBiter Worldwide website. It's the screen on which you choose the organizer or the editor. And the picture in the middle is interesting. Notice the twin lens reflex camera in the middle of the screen. These cameras gave photographers bargain basement access to medium format film. The images were square, six centimeters by six centimeters, or two and a quarter inches by two and a quarter inches. Because the viewing lens and the taking lens were separate, there was a parallax problem, but these cameras could provide outstanding quality at an affordable price. And maybe that's why Adobe selected this image for elements. The organizer provides access to all of the images you have on the computer, along with sound files and certain other pieces of media, and it makes it possible to import images from a digital camera. When you're ready to work on a photo, you can select the image, right-click it, and choose Open in Photoshop Elements. I selected an image from those that I made at the Northland Independence Day Parade earlier this year, the only parade held in Columbus on the 4th of July, and the largest privately organized parade in Ohio just so you know. Because the image is a RAW file, it opens first in Adobe Camera Raw. And the picture I selected is of a Columbus police officer on a bicycle. He's wearing a white shirt, so I selected the white balance tool and clicked on the shirt to correct the color balance. And poof, just like that, the color was correct. And with the color correct, I decided to use some of the other Camera Raw controls to improve the image before moving on to Photoshop Elements. The image needed to have blacks and shadow areas opened up a bit. I also boosted both clarity and contrast, and then clicked the open button. Photoshop Elements has three editing modes. Quick, that's the easiest option. Guided, with more choices, but still easy. And Expert, this is the right choice for those who know what the various controls do, or for those who want to review what one of the other modes has done. So let's say I'd like to create a golden hour effect. That's when the sun is golden in color and very pretty. I selected balance, and then I chose an option that warmed the image. Although I took the photo in the early afternoon, it now appears to have been created around sunset. The next option is expert mode. Here you get a bunch more controls on the left that look a lot like what you'll find in Photoshop. On the right, you'll see layers. In this case, there's only one layer, so I decided to do something that would add layers. So let's say I'd like to convert this image from a modern 2012 color photo to one that looks like it had been taken in the early 1960s. I selected guided options and then old-fashioned photo. I had a choice of converting the photo to monochrome, adding texture, modifying hue and saturation. So I worked through several various options. And you'll see the result on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Photoshop Elements actually created two additional layers. That's because I made several sets of changes. The top layer included all the latest changes. But this is a monochrome image, and I said I was looking for something that looks sort of like a 1960s color photograph. That's where the layers are important. So I turned off the middle layer and reduced the opacity of the top layer, the monochrome layer, so that some of the color from the background would show through. 
and check the TechBiter World Wide website. You'll see the final image. There's enough grain and the color has been sufficiently muted that it looks like an image from the 1960s. Now, there are giveaways that the photo isn't from the 1960s. The communications gear the officer has and his helmet. There are probably others, but the quality of the photograph isn't one of them. It really looks like something that came from the 1960s. I'll take a look at Premiere Elements in a future program, but the bottom line on Photoshop Elements, 5 cats, it offers power and ease of use in a very affordable package. Photoshop Elements continues to evolve, and as Adobe pushes high-end features from earlier versions of Photoshop down to Photoshop Elements, this inexpensive application becomes an even better value. Although this is not the application that photo professionals will want, Photoshop Elements provides everything the photo enthusiast could want and more. According to Adobe, Adobe Photoshop Elements 11 and Adobe Premiere Elements 11 for Windows and Mac is available from the Adobe website and will soon be available from retail outlets. The package that includes both costs $150. If you're upgrading, it's $120. And the individual products are available for $100 each, or upgrades are $80 apiece. For more information, visit the Photoshop Elements website, and you'll find a link to it from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Salman Khan and Bill Gates trying to put universities out of business? Maybe not, but that could be the unintended consequence of Khan Academy. Several years ago, Salman Khan was an analyst at a hedge fund, and he was working with his cousins to explain mathematics. He prepared some videos that he posted to YouTube so his cousins could review them, but others found them, and found them useful. A co-worker from Austin asked if I had ever heard of Khan Academy. I hadn't, but he was so emphatic about it that I decided to check it out. In a TED Talk, Khan explained the way the typical classroom works. Imagine learning how to ride a bicycle, and I give you a bicycle. Maybe I give you a lecture ahead of time. I give you the bicycle for two weeks, and then I come back and say, Let's see, you're having trouble making turns, and you can't quite stop. You're an 80% bicyclist. So I put a big C stamp on your forehead, and then I say, Here's a unicycle. Well, as absurd as that sounds... That's exactly what happens today in classrooms from kindergarten to postgraduate medical classes. What's different about the Khan Academy, other than the fact that it's provided for free, is that it expects perfection. You can't move forward to the next topic until you've demonstrated that you fully comprehend the current topic. This eliminates what Khan calls the Swiss cheese gaps that cause even intelligent students to fail once they've built up enough gaps in information that they have to work with. You can see Salman Khan's TED Talk from 2011. There's a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Logic, computer programming, and genetics. Those are just a few of the topics that the Khan Academy provides, but there are also programs on science, biology, chemistry, medicine, and physics, for example, on computer science, including programming and animation, on finance, valuation and investing, venture capital, banking and money and currency, on humanities, history, civics, and art history, and even some preparation for various tests, the SAT, GMAT, and more. I mentioned Bill Gates previously. 
It seems that his kids found these videos and Gates has invested in the program. In the TED Talk, Gates says, I think you've just got a glimpse of the future of education. Anyone can watch any video. If you understand the topic, you can become a coach. Teachers are offered a link that will provide a toolkit so that they can use Khan Academy in the classroom. And currently, some 3,400 videos exist on the site. I decided to work my way through the mathematics tree, which starts with arithmetic and pre-algebra. The first set of topics were addition and subtraction, multiplication and division, negative numbers, number properties, order of operations, factors and multiples, fractions, decimals, percents, ratios, and proportions, and exponents. Each of these topics included a dozen or more subtopics. I have a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website that will take you to the first math exercise in basic addition. After I proved that I had mastered basic single number addition, I was offered several options and decided to move forward with multiplication and division. Questions were anything but basic. They ranged from number problems to more complicated word problems, and I realized I had forgotten the differences between associative, communicative, and distributive properties of operations. So I had to remind myself how those work. There are other options online for free learning. Some universities are offering free course guides through Coursera, a California company. Recently, 17 more domestic and international universities have joined the online network. The additions advance the number of institutions offering courses through Coursera to 33. Coursera is one of several new companies offering free cyber courses from elite universities. Coursera now offers more than 200 courses open to anyone with an internet connection. Sites that provide massive open online courses, or MOOC, are changing higher education for those who aren't interested in earning a diploma. Coursera's partners include Brown, Columbia, Emory, Vanderbilt, and Wesleyan Universities, Hebrew University of Jerusalem, The Ohio State University, University of Michigan, Johns Hopkins University, Illinois University, University of British Columbia, University of London, the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, and many more. Not all programs are available at all times. You'll need to wait for the class to be offered at the university, so it's more like attending a class on campus, or a class online, than attending classes at Khan Academy. In effect, you're auditing the class, which means that you receive no credit for taking it, but if your primary goal is to learn something and not necessarily to earn a degree, this is a good way to do it. There are, of course, online lots of not-free but still valuable sources. I consider Lynda.com to be one of the most valuable fee-based educational sites on the web. Although the site has a heavy emphasis on video still images and website development, offerings have expanded in recent years to include accounting, career development, marketing, podcasting, social media, time management, and a lot more. The production techniques have improved, too, over the years. When a presenter can make a better presentation by appearing on screen, the production system can accommodate that person, and most of the presentations come with sample files that, depending on your subscription type, can be downloaded so you can work along with the on-screen presentation. Individual segments are rarely more than 7 to 10 minutes long. Each covers a specific topic, shooting by candlelight, for example, and that's in the case of Ben Long's Foundations of Photography, Night and Low Light series. So online, lots of options for learning if you want to learn something.
and short circuits, you probably already know that iGoogle's portal will not be available after the 1st of November 2013, so you still have more than a year to find a replacement if you want one. I like having a page that provides useful information, so an ad on the iGoogle page suggested IG Home. Hmm, have you seen it yet? Next year, we won't be able to use iGoogle, so the link to the IG Home homepage showed me a basic page. I was taken aback to find the Drudge Report on the homepage. If you want to attract me, this is not the way to do it, and let's just leave that right there. But I signed up anyway and immediately deleted the Drudge distortions. At that point, my page continued Yahoo Sports. Boring, as far as I'm concerned. AccuWeather, Business Insider, never heard of it. The Date and Time, Lifehacker, Pinterest, and Flickster. Before looking to see what other items were available, I wanted to rearrange what was there. Positioning items is a little flaky at this point, to say the least. I wanted to place the AccuWeather radar under the forecast, but I couldn't. I'd drop it under the weather, and it would just move somewhere else. When you want to add gadgets, you have the option of selecting from categories or local news. Columbus is included, so I chose that and then selected the dispatch and business first. The National Weather Service has a widget, so I dropped AccuWeather and the AccuWeather radar. News offerings currently are limited to Drudge, CNN, Fox, USA Today's Tech Stories, and MSNBC. At this point, I selected CNN as the most reliable of what was available. Science and Technology offered Lifehacker, which was already on the page, and I left it there because I like Lifehacker. National Geographic, Engadget, CNET, and Popular Science. I added all of those. Then I noticed Information Week, Wired, and Gizmodo, and added them, too. You'll also find NASA, which I added, GigaOM, Scientific American, Crunch Gear, and several more. Needless to say, there are lots of options in the political category, and you can just find those on your own. Moving to international news, I found the BBC, Jerusalem Post, Irish Times, the UK Sun, France 24. I added all but the Sun. Additional news offerings include USA Today, ABC News, CBS News, Washington Times, and Time. Oddly, if you want the New York Times, you need to visit the New York City Regional page. Mike Sutton, the creator of IG Home, says, As you know, iGoogle is going away, but there are many people who still enjoy the convenience of a personalized homepage. He notes that IG Home is still in beta phase and changes will be frequent, adding new features and gadgets. He seems very open to suggestions, and in fact, I reported what I thought was a problem to Mike and had a response from him just minutes later. As it turned out, the problem was something I had set up incorrectly. This is an application to watch, and I hope it'll turn out to be exactly the right replacement for iGoogle. The next challenge will be how to monetize it because I suspect that it is going to be popular. This week, California Governor Jerry Brown hopped into a car and it drove him to Google headquarters where he signed a bill making driverless vehicles street legal in California. You might think California leads the nation in this area, but it doesn't. It's the third state to approve driverless cars. The others are Nevada and Florida. Now, the law doesn't call them driverless cars. Instead, they're autonomous vehicles. And the law specifies safety and performance requirements for them. You don't want an autonomous vehicle just yet, though, for at least two reasons. 
First, the onboard electronics will take up most of the storage space. And second, the onboard electronics will make the car prohibitively expensive. And if you need a third reason, the exterior sensors make the cars look really goofy. But the day is coming. As Brown signed the measure into law, one reporter asked, who gets the ticket if the autonomous vehicle runs a red light? Brown said they'd have to figure that out, but they have to figure the chances are good that an autonomous vehicle won't run a red light. Google's test cars have driven nearly half a million miles, 480,000 exactly, without causing a wreck, although one was rear-ended. Not its fault. Autonomous vehicles could be used by people whose eyesight is too bad to qualify for a license, or by people who are intoxicated. We already have airplanes that are largely autonomous, and some trains are autonomous, so why not cars? There are questions, of course. Although Google's test fleet has never caused a collision, it's certain that one will someday. The programming will have a hidden flaw, or something will break. So what are the legal ramifications? Who, if anybody, gets sued? This is clearly an extension of the who-gets-a-ticket-if-the-car-runs-a-red-light question. The new California law provides $5 million worth of insurance during testing, and the law specifies that a licensed driver must always be in position to take over immediately if something goes wrong, just as airplanes must still have pilots, even though they can take off, navigate from one point to another, and land with no human intervention, as long as nothing goes wrong. Less than a month to Windows 8, and some manufacturers are showing off the gear they'll release with the new version of Windows. Some are even talking about prices. Lenovo, for example, is talking about an $800 tablet that comes with a keyboard. The tablet will have a 1366 by 768 pixel screen, and Lenovo says it should run for about 10 hours on a full battery charge. The ThinkPad Tablet 2 will include a full version of Office 2013 Productivity Suite. A less expensive model will run the Windows 8 RT operating system. It'll sell for less than $600. The price for this model hasn't been made public, but figures as low as $300 have been mentioned. Meanwhile, over at Intel, CEO Paul Ottolini who publicly supports Windows 8, has reportedly told Intel staffers that the new operating system isn't ready. Ottolini is said to have made that statement in a visit to Intel's Taipei operation. To add a third side to this multidimensional story, Ottolini is reported to have said that releasing the operating system, even though it isn't ready, right now is the right thing to do, and that improvements will simply have to be added later. But isn't that the way Microsoft always works? A new product comes to market with certain deficiencies, and these are later corrected with service packs. Actually, that's the way most operating systems and most software work. Windows 8 will be generally available on October 26th. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. 
I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.